The Crux of the Matter, Episode 50, 1 Timothy Chapter 2. Hello and welcome to The Crux of the Matter, the show by pastors for pastors. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And I'm Professor Scott Stigmeyer. Hello, Scott. How you doing? Hey, it's a great day in Orange County. How are things for you? Good. Got some rain, got some sunshine, kind of a lot of the... uh, a lot of the usual things. We, of course, are uh, hot and heavy into Lent, as uh, as you have Lent in Southern California, right? Yes, we do. Excellent. Yes, we do. Yeah, we had it. an Ash Wednesday service on campus. Did you? Did you? Yep. Now, did you do the imposition of ashes? Done? Yeah, actually, I, I even preached. You even preached? Yeah. That's good. Was it good to uh, get back in the saddle, so to speak? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. And yeah. Ash Wednesday's always always kind of... Uh, ironically fun to preach for me. It is. It is. Well, and that, you know, the Matthew 6 text is a mm-hmm. good one. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's challenging in some respects, but, but, it's, uh, but it's been good. Definitely, definitely. What have you been, so what have you been teaching lately, pray tell? Okay, well, um, you know, I have this uh, History of the Christian Church class. Right. And, um, you know, yesterday I taught on the fall of Rome. And the factors that led to that. But tomorrow I get to teach on the origin of monasticism. So I've been reading Benedict's Rule. Ah, fun. Have that fresh in mind. Did you, uh, uh, did you ever read that? Um, there was a book that it seemed like we always ended up having to do for Kadai, The Love of Learning and the Desire for God. Yeah, I are you did familiar that. with? Yeah. yeah, are you oh, familiar yeah. with that one? Yeah, oh yeah, it's a, yeah. Leclerc, you see, I think, was the author. It, it was, and when I was doing my STM, I I didn't read it for with Kadai, but when I was doing my STM, I did a um, an independent study on Western monasticism. Hmm. And and well, not an independent, like a guided readings. Gotcha. One of and, those directed readings classes, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I I read it then, and. It, I haven't read it since, but it was, uh, I mean, it was, it's an outstanding book. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting stuff along the way. Well, I've been, um, it being the beginning of Lent and everything, I'm kind of in the, in the Lent series mode. I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago that I'm doing a Lent series on the body of, on the body of Jesus and particularly on a theology of the body and how, and how the passion narratives and some of these other episodes from Luke's gospel kind of inform a theology of the body, which has been fun and kind of right up our alley around here. Sure. Um, so, you know, last week we had the had the Ash Wednesday thing, and and last night was then our first actual midweek series thing, and uh, and so we did the first part of the passion. So the um, uh, the Mount Olives, the prayer in the garden, and the betrayal. And then I tied that with the healing of the ten lepers in Luke in Luke 17. So we talked uh, we talked a bit about holiness. We talked about um, about what it means to be unclean. We talked about Jesus taking uh, taking uncleanness into his body and the you know sweat as drop great drops of blood and all sorts of stuff. So anytime you can bring in blood, I figure it's got to be good. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so it's going to be a good sermon then. Yeah. So that's been uh, that's been kind of on my mind is putting that together. I had a um. I had a little tutorial session Tuesday with one of the pastors in my in my circuit who wanted to know 
wanted to uh, learn a little bit more about Scrivener, this writing program I've talked about here before. Yeah. And uh, and so we we got together for a couple hours um, and talked about Scrivener and kind of talked about ways to ways to organize sermons and preaching and and sort of how you do this. He's been a pastor for 25 years, so he's obviously been doing this a long time, too. And uh, and is kind of looking at a, a new way or different way of trying to organize these things. And that's and th- that actually was really helpful to me because it was it, w- it was just fun to sort of try to think about these things from a 50,000 foot view mm-hmm. instead of, you know, OK, what's the next sermon that I have uh-huh. to write right, right. now, which exactly. is kind of where I feel like I often am. Yeah. Where, so that, yeah, exactly. What's my next sermon that I'm going to be preaching in 36 hours? In 36 hours or <laughs> yeah. less or whatever. Yeah. So that was so that was really quite fun. And a part of the result of that was that I've been, I uh, I did some mind mapping on all of the Sunday texts in Lent. And I'm working on all of the Sunday texts in Easter and just kind of starting to look at relationships between the texts, which that'll be fun. It should be uh this should be good. So I'm thinking a lot about sermons right now. Not too, not too surprisingly. Pretty good. Yeah. So we are, um, uh, we are still working our way through First Timothy. We uh, unfortunately missed last week, so we've uh, lost a little bit of momentum. We'll try to pick it up here and keep it keep it rolling a bit better here. But uh, we've been working our way through First Timothy. Last time we uh, we met, we talked about chapter one. And this time we we are going to talk about chapter two. Seems logical that that would follow after chapter one. And uh, not you know none of these uh, none of these chapters are particularly long. So uh, Scott, why don't you read First uh, Timothy chapter two for us, and then we can uh, see where we go with it. Okay, so this is First Timothy chapter two. I'm reading out of the ESV. Okay. Uh, it begins, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And here ends that lesson. No problem. <laughs> yeah, right. There's nothing controversial there. Nothing controversial in there. It's just Paul doing what Paul yeah. does yep. along the way. So where do you even uh, 
where do you start with that? I mean, this is kind of a, uh, I don't know. It's this whole thing reads in my mind, it reads like an advice column or something. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of, all right, where do you start as a pastor? What do you, you know, what's the first thing you do when you get to your new congregation? What, um, you know, kind of, how do you, how do you think about this stuff? It's kind Um, of pastoring 101. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a way it sort of is. Yeah. Um, which is not bad, but, uh, and, and where does he start here? Well, in, in chapter two, he starts, I, I think he's talking about the public prayers of the church. He, yeah. He's, he's talking about, you know, he's talking to Timothy, the young pastor. This isn't just uh, Paul's recommendations for your personal time with Jesus. This is, he's telling him about the liturgy of the church. Right. Right. And, yeah. And, and that there should be prayers and intercessions for kings and those, are, those who are in high positions. Did I tell you, Todd? About the um, LCMS church I attended, and I'm not going to say where, <laughs> Fair enough. that um, we had Sunday service and the sermon was about prayer, but there were no prayers in the service. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's yeah. an oversight. That, uh, that might have been a mistake on somebody's part, I'm going to say. Wow. I, I, I just don't see how you've. How you eliminate that? Uh, we've been, people have been praying for the king or for the president, or you know, people have been praying for the needs of the church and the world in divine service for thousands, thousands of, years. of years. Yeah, right. Literally, how do, how do you not do that in a service and then think you're going to teach how to pray? Is, yeah. and not pray. <laughs> I just, no, then- it just it just struck me as craziness. Yeah, and that is that is kind of craziness. I mean, and yeah. this it, this is an interesting list. I mean, he kind of has these supplications, mm-hmm. prayers, intercessions, yeah. and thanksgivings. And I'm I'm sure that there are that there are um, subtleties behind mm-hmm. behind each each one of these. Uh, we can you know we can certainly see supplications. And Thanksgiving as being, you know, you're asking for something, you're you're giving thanks for, you know, those, those kind of things. At least in my mind, you can you can see pretty obvious. But this is specifically for kings and everyone who is in a in a high position. Yeah. Now, why why does Paul care about that specifically, and why why is that even an issue along along the way? I, I mean, this has to be in the context of of can you can you pray for those? Can you pray for for the Roman emperor? Surely, I mean that's absolutely who who you're praying for if you're living in the first century. I mean, you have, may have local governors and rulers, but he's talking within the context of the Roman Empire, right? And 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 you know, not one that is particularly hospitable to Christianity, right? And sometimes point. downright inhospitable yeah yeah i mean arguably paul was killed by the roman empire uh, right but you know i i think that he's just recognizing i i guess he's i would almost say he's recognizing the church's priestly role um to if the king if the priesthood of all believers means anything it means this it means that we're to we're, we're interceding we're praying for for the world right um and you know i i don't think he would say pray for those who are in high positions, but don't pray for 
you know, the people, the earth, you know, the earthquake victims in Haiti. And right. I think this isn't all, one as compared to somebody else. No, I think, you know, I think it's absolutely pray for in intercessions for star. I mean, every time, whenever I wrote prayers of the church or prepared for that in my pastoral ministry, you know, we always prayed for the president. We always prayed for the Congress in some way. You know, I mean, I would maybe change the wording from time to time, but sure. it was... It was always there, especially if there was something in the news. But, you know, it was, I just used it as a format that we're going to pray for the church. We're going to pray for the, the president and we're going to pray for local. Uh, you know, I always included the local authorities. Local government in some way or another. Yeah, right. Exactly. That reminds me that one of our side conversations at some point is we ought to talk about uh, Justice Scalia and yeah. whether or not Christians should care or why Christians should care, if you want to put it that way, because. I mean, I don't know. In 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 Lutheran pastor circles, it seems like you're on the one hand going to have one group of people that are like, yeah, we need to kind of be highly in, engaged and involved in the public sector. We need to, you know, have have our voice be heard, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going to have another group that's basically going to say, you know, I didn't see uh, I didn't see the Christians in the first century getting involved in Roman government. Um, and, and should we really get involved with this stuff? Now, first off, and obviously here in Timothy is that we are to pray for, pray for them. Yeah. And that, well, which, yeah, which right. I hope is duh, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, sure. I mean, I, I would say that, um, you know, it's, it's apples and oranges because the first century Romans, they weren't a democracy. There was there was right. no way that the people had a voice in their in their selecting their government. But we do, right. right? For good or for bad, um, we have uh, we have a role. I mean, we have a choice in how our government is run, um, and it seems to me to be obeying the fourth commandment includes participating. That's right. it is it is a it is a right and a responsibility. Well anyway, as far as the Justice Scalia thing, what a tragedy. What a no kidding. what a sad thing. I, I I knew that he was probably he was 79 and that didn't surprise me, but um it was uh, yeah. what a loss. What, what a, a loss. loss. He's certainly been one of the great defenders of of life and the the unborn and all of those in need yeah for the last 30 years i mean he's been on the bench for i think 30 years hasn't he or has um he was appointed by reagan right so, so I mean, it, it had to have to been, been in the 30 huh? year range plus or minus yeah. so yeah pretty remarkable uh pretty remarkable history and story anyway we don't have to yeah. uh go further into that well, I think it's relevant, you know, I mean, because yeah. Paul, Paul is saying pray for the kings. I mean, I think this is as civic, uh, you know, righteousness as Paul's going to get, you know, participate in the in the system and, and pray for the system, uh, I think would be would go hand in hand. But but he's saying that why do you pray? He gives a rationale that the reason that we pray for the kings and, and, and those in a positions of authority so that we can lead a peaceful life. Right. Right. So if, well, Paul, and, if Paul had the option of voting and and or you know writing to his his governors, or I mean, I'm sure that he he would support. In my view, is I think he would support us doing that. Right. Well, in that description that he gives, so that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, sounds pretty Roman. 
to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that doesn't that description sound sound a uh, very Roman, serious, sort of staid and and I, I mean, and I'm not saying this as a as a bad thing, but simply mm-hmm. that that Paul describes the goal in language that is that a Roman is going to be comfortable with. Yeah, let's let's sure. put it that way. Um, well, the but, Romans were known for bringing. I mean, you know, they would they would conquer you, but then once you were, I mean, it was bad for you to get conquered, but it was not all that bad to be ruled by the Romans, um, except for you know the bit about them, the religious bit. Right, um, that's complicated, right? Yeah, but I mean, as as far as I mean, if you were part of the Roman Empire, you were going to have relative safety and relative peace for quite some time. Right, right. It's called the Pax Romana for a reason. Yeah. Hmm. But then verse five and following, he kind of goes on and I don't know, this whole five, six, seven thing kind of takes a takes a sideways turn or mm, really, yeah. really even three and following, you know, because we get this and verse four, of course, is, is one of our favorite, favorite verses to quote against the Calvinists, right? Sure. You know, all all God desires all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, and Jesus as mediator. Um, so, I mean, we have some clear, uh, gospel, gospel language here. No, no doubt. But why does he say this to Timothy as a pastor? That's kind Mm -hmm. of, that's, that's a part of what I'm, that's a part of what I'm trying to wrap my brain around. And I mean, and he even says that in verse seven, for this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. Um, I was appointed because Jesus is the one mediator who gave himself as a ransom and that this should happen because God wants everyone to be saved. That everyone being saved is going to be best served in a world where people lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Exactly. I, I think you did. I think you just tied it together there, Todd. Because if if the church is allowed to do its job, if the church is 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 living peacefully, quietly, dignified, godly, the church is going to be able to fulfill its mission, which is verse four and verse five. I mean, you know, he's. I, I think he can't help but get a little bit homiletic. That's just how he. Oh, sure. How he how he writes preachers wax preachy sometimes. Yeah, exactly, and you know, but I mean, I think it ties together because as I read Paul right here, he's thinking, um, let's you know, the gospel is is the message of reconciliation between sinners and and a gracious God through Christ, and um, we want to, we want to be able to live that, and we want to be able to do our fulfill our mission. I mean, he was a missionary after all. I mean, That's Paul right. was a church planter. Yep, that's what Paul was. He wasn't a pastor exactly. He was a church planter, and um, uh, thank God. I mean, he he, you know, did a tremendous job. Right. But um, you know, but he was able to do those things because he was a Roman citizen. He had access. He had relative safety on the roads, um, and that's because of stable government. Yeah, yeah. That's and so. At least in my mind, in my mind, when you're talking about why should we care about who the president of the United States is, why should we care about about the appointment of a justice, etc., it is because good government, stable government, serves the gospel. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, think that's what this says. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. And and so if we can be good citizens, if you will, that is going to that is only going to be a benefit to the church. Which is kind Absolutely. of a, again, I hope that that's obvious, but I don't think that it always is. No, no, I don't think so either. But I, I, I that's what I think is going on in these first six verses, first seven verses. Yeah, um, you know, he wants he wants there to be peace and quiet so that mm-hmm. we can go about our business um, as the church, which includes taking the gospel to new people and planting new congregations. Right. Right. I think that's, that's you can't do that if the government is is in disarray. You can you can more likely do that when things are are running smoothly. Right. Right. Then things get rather interesting in this yeah. chapter, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The rest of the, the second half of chapter two gets to be um, a little bit uncomfortable. I think. Yeah. I'd people. say. <laughs> I'd say it is. It sounds anachronistic yeah it does. to me yeah it sounds mm-hmm. um archaic even and you know we are probably 50 to 60 years on the other side of the feminist movement and um and so at this at this stage even a word like modesty yeah or is res- loaded is loaded or mm-hmm. respectable you know, respectable by whom? <laughs> Who's doing right. the respecting here? And uh, and so there's a lot of, I mean, clearly Paul cares about the uh, the appearance of women in the congregation. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's fair to say. Not only the appearance of the the physical appearance of women, but but their um, their vocation, their posture, their their place, their station—you know, their station in the in the congregation—and um, and that's not that's hard. I think that that's hard for us to hear because we have pushing two generations of 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 teaching that is essentially argued at best that there should be no distinctions. Yeah, right. And at, and at worst that that because of the the patriarchal oppressive society that has gone on for so many thousands of years that essentially men should be oppressed in order to cry, kind of equalize things along the way. Maybe that's me being curmudgeonly, I'm not sure. So I, I mean that's kind of where I start. I'm thinking of what does my what do my daughters hear? When they hear these verses, what 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 should they take out of it, and what so and what should I, as a pastor, take out of it? What's the point of it? <sighs> you know, I, I mean, the first thing that strikes me is the bit about well, you, I mean, what you talked about that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, modesty, right. okay, not braided hair, gold, pearls, costly attire, okay. You know, I've mentioned this before, but, uh, you know, teaching at Concordia Irvine, um, we have at the moment, we have a, a pretty sizable group of Saudi Arabian students hmm. on our campus. Um, the government of Saudi Arabia is paying for them to come to the U.S. and study. And, and I don't know how they ended up at Concordia particularly, but but they did. And, and they're, you know, 
all appearances. They're, I've had a few of them in class and you know, sure. they're good students. They're, they're just kids, you know, they're just 18 year old kids. And, um, but, uh, you know, it is interesting to see the young women walking around, um, at the very least with their hair covered and some of them with the face, the veil in front of the face hmm. and, um, and how they, they don't interact with men, um, uh, they 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 kind of stick to themselves, the girls and right. uh, and the guys. They don't socialize. The Saudi guys and the Saudi girls, you know, don't socialize with each other. They don't socialize uh, with each other far less any non Saudis. Do they socialize with non Saudis? Well, um, they try. Honestly, they do try. But the, there's a language barrier. A lot of them are what they're doing right now is English. Okay. Um. So you know, if you don't know any Arabic, and if their English is poor, but I just, in fact, you know, I just visited one of the classes today and ate a wonderful meal that students had prepared, and they treated me like I was a king. Hmm. I couldn't believe because my wife was teaching the class, but when I walked in, they're pouring me coffee, and you know, immediately they're 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 delightful. They're delightful. Sure. But one of the things that to me interests me, intrigues me, is um, how th- how they would read this passage yeah. about the women being modest. Um, the, the, the female students, like I said, they cover their hair. A couple of them actually wear the veil in front of the face and they wear loose, very loose fitting clothing, Mm -hmm. you know, and the, the typical American undergrad, um, co-ed, uh, on the other hand, um, you know, when it's warm out, you you know, (laughs) they may, they're, they're showing a lot of skin and, and I don't mean that, that our student body is particularly bad about that. I don't think that's true, but, um, probably typically so though. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're in Southern California and it's warm right now. And, um, and so they're dressing in ways that is culturally acceptable, but, uh, uh, you know, modesty, I, I think that's something that is, like you said, it can almost be a bad word, but I think it's something we really need to discuss a little more. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to be modest? You know, so that I can remember talking when I was in Pittsburgh once, uh, when I was a pastor in Pittsburgh, one time I spoke with an imam and he told me that um, the women cover themselves because of the weaknesses of men. And, you know, when I've told that to other people, sometimes they say, well, you know, that's the guy's problem the, you know, the women shouldn't have to worry about what the guy's reactions are. But, I, you know, this mm. is a conversation that I don't think we're, we're having and we're not having it very well or we're losing in, in, in big, big bad ways. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I mean, yes, men should learn to control their eyes and to control their thoughts, but, but shouldn't women take into consideration the effect that they may have on men by the way they dress. Um, it seems Paul would say as so. should, as should men. Oh, sure. Sure. I, I mean, you know, I think it is, you know, I think it is a bit more, um, you know, leaning towards the guys who have the problem with the, with the eyes. Sure. But, um, but yeah, of course, I mean, the men should dress in ways that, is, that are. Well, and maybe this isn't an exact parallel, but, you know, when we talk about how how women dress uh, and the effect that that has on men, we're obviously talking about sexual attraction. We're talking mm-hmm. and so we're talking about very, uh, you know, physical desires, that sort, that sort of thing. So if you want to put it in a category, sixth commandment stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And 
and um, and perhaps the argument could be made that uh, that that sort of temptation in that kind of way is not the same with women. I'm not saying they don't have it, but that it but that that simply is it doesn't work that same way. But I do think, for example, is it possible for men to dress or behave in such a way that make women afraid? Mm. Sure. If, if, yeah. If I'm not if if not sexually attractive, but uh, if I am if I am dressed in a way that is going to make women fearful of my behavior, do I have a reasonable obligation to change my behavior in order not to incite fear in other people? So what would be an example of dress that strikes fear? Um, Texas has an open carry law. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. So I, I mean, in, uh, dressing like a hoodlum or a thug, or you know, I don't know. I, I mean, and I'm I, I'm I'm really asking this question. I don't have a I don't have some sort of brilliant answer in my head that that I'm trying to draw out of you or something. But yeah. um, but I do think it is reasonable for us to ask the broad the broader question of how does how does my behavior affect other people. And how does my behavior uh, lead others into sin? Sure. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, that's kind. That's kind of the question, and that's a part of what Paul's doing here. I think it's mm-hmm. not all of it, though. I mean, he's getting at some some other stuff here. If, you know, just going going further down, we get this um, this whole question of learning quietly with quietly with submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Um, there we're getting, there we're getting to, I, I guess you'd say order of creation questions, questions well, ver- about verse um, 13 and 14. Uh, right, right. Exactly. And, and that's talking. And, and so Paul outlines pretty specifically that why is the reason for this? Because, because Adam was formed first, but Eve was deceived first. Yeah, I mean that's what he says. I mean, you know, we could like it or dislike it or argue about the interpretation, but that is what he says, and he does yeah. most definitely say in verse twelve, "I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man." Now, do you think that that's talking about, I'll say, pastoral authority, or is he speaking more generally about authority? So that's that's a good question. Um, I, I I think primarily because this is we we were just saying that First Timothy is pastoring one hundred and one. Sure. So I think the first thing is that he is talking about the context of within the church, right? Um, does that mean can that be expanded to to mm-hmm. include um, political authority? Uh, not that that was much of an issue for the Romans. Um, you don't have a whole lot of women in in the Senate, <laughs> right. or or you know on, on the track to become empress, right? Um, I I don't know. I, I I'm I've never really taken this to mean that a woman couldn't be the mayor of a city, right? I I, I have taken this to mean. Um, that that Paul is banning uh, women. What we would just simply say is women's ordination. Sure, 
and I and there's no question in my mind that that's a part of this. Yeah, Just right. zero question about that. Right. Let the record show that the crux of the matter there <laughs> is uh, is that, and he and he even explains why. Um, exercise, uh, you know that that term for teach didaskein is right. is kind of an interesting one too, because uh, you know you could, and I realize that this is a rabbit hole. But mm-hmm. what is included with under teach? Does that include public reading of scripture? Does that include teaching a Bible, an adult Bible class? What about teaching children? Um, what is the, you know, and, and what, what is actually meant by andros, man? Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. does that mean up till puberty? What right. about a high school Bible class? I, I mean, there there are lots mm-hmm. of there are lots of questions that, and in my mind, there are not simple answers to, mm-hmm. and and that you have to ask the question, or at least part of the question. Um, you have to ask part of the question is: Is any of this culturally shaped? You know, sure. is this like the Corinthian head covering thing? Right. Or is or is what he's getting at more universal? I I mean, my reading of it is the implication in thirteen and fourteen is that he is speaking more universally, and that he's saying this is not a uh, because of the Roman culture today, blah 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 blah. Um, but no, he has a theological reason. Yes, right. That's precisely. He's not. Uh, he's not saying in our cultural context, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's he's making a biblical argument, and it is one I I will be the first to grant that that these are that these are hard hard things for us to wrestle with as 21st century American pastors. Yeah, because it just it just feels so contrary to our own culture. There is no way to read the second half of chapter two without being, without sounding to certain ears as misogynistic. Right. You know, there's no way that you can, I mean, just, you know, how he comments on women's appearance, comments on, you know, that they should be quiet and submissive. And, you know, it's, there's no way this is, it can be, I can't read it in such a tone. Right. (laughs) Right. That it's not going to offend half my congregation, and that's I right. I don't have control over that. I, that's I have right. no control over that. That's right. And um, I would be interested to learn. I'll have I'll have to try and look this up. But I would be curious to know whether this this reading ever appears in the lectionary. Well, I can say that it does. Hmm. I don't remember when, but I know I've I know it's we. I mean, when, in my most recent right. pastorate, I know that it was read. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't remember when, but uh, it, it does appear, and and I got I got an earful. <laughs> you got an earful for it, so that's right. why you remember is because yes, you heard it about it. <laughs> yes, yes, I understand yes. that. And I and it's like, look, I didn't choose the readings, and I didn't write the readings. We, right, you know, that's, right, right. It is. It's St. Paul. It's St. Paul. <laughs> take it up with. Take it up with Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and you know, and again, in kind of. There are lots of parallel contexts where this where this would have, you know, just interesting implications. You know, I'm sitting in a I'm sitting in a building right now where uh, our my study is in our school building where there are 14 women that that 
teach and work in our school. And uh, and every other full-time person at at my church is a woman. Yeah. You know, including a deaconess, an office manager. Um, it, it, and all that just has lots and lots of interesting implications. And I, and I know personally that I have struggled with this in terms of women teaching Bible classes and, and, and not, not even struggling in the sense of, I, I don't want to look at it from the perspective of, um, what am I able to get away with? Because I think that that's the wrong question. I want to understand what the point is and what is actually going to uh, – not, not what can we get away with in the church, but what is actually going to best serve the church and why. And, and I don't have a brilliant answer to that. Sorry if, the, if our dear listeners are waiting for uh, – okay, and the answer is 42 or whatever because yeah. yeah. I don't have it. I, I really yeah. don't. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. But I expect that St. Paul will have a remarkable way to keep giving us tough ones along the road here. So we're going to stop with Paul for now, and we'll continue on. Did you know, Scott, that uh, that this is the 50th episode of The Crux of the Matter? Well, you mentioned it before we started recording, and I, but I didn't know until you mentioned it. Yeah, I, I'm sorry I didn't get you a cake or anything. We should be wearing, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should be wearing like a hat or maybe an over the hill t-shirt or something like that. I'm not sure, but this yeah. is a this is episode 50, which means we're um, we're pretty close. We may even be at the point where uh, where we've been at this for about a year, something yeah. something like yeah. that, which is pretty cool in my That's mind, about right? Because we've we've missed a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. that our first episode was in February last year. So, so happy anniversary, buddy! It's been it's yeah. been it's been good. I've enjoyed this yeah. very much. Same you here, can f- likewise. Yeah, you can find the show notes for the crux of the matter at thecruxofthematter.net slash podcast slash fifty. And I hope that you will go check them out and tell us what you think and what we can uh, what we can do to improve or uh, leave comments on our uh, on on anything that we've got. You can also uh, you can also contact us by emailing us at feedback at the crux of the matter dot net. And that will go to both Scott and I. And I hope you will do that or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. We have we have a we have a pretty good Facebook page. I would encourage you to go check that out as well. So, Scott. What's bringing you joy this week? Pray tell. Well, um, I had a hard time selecting something because I've got several, uh, you know, I'm going to the, in the direction of books again, as I often do. But, um, you know, I, for my teaching this history class, church history class, I've pulled out a few of my dusty tomes to kind of refresh and some you know, use them as references and so forth. And I re- have been rediscovering and enjoying um, a book that I read in college. Um, it's from CPH. It's it's a few decades old now. It's called The History of Theology mm-hmm. uh, by Bengt Hegland. I don't know if you know this book. I know the book, this. but I'm not sure if I've read it cover to cover or not. Well, um, I I have, and I'm and I'm going through it again, but. Um, you know, it's a little different than what I do because what I'm teaching is is church history, 
and that is more than just the history of theology. Right. Uh, history of theology is a narrower subject than what I'm teaching. But, you know, to try to kind of bone up on a few of the lesser figures that, uh, you know, I'm not as familiar with, this has been a great resource. But it's just edifying. I, it's, it's written from a confessional Lutheran perspective. And it's it's just edifying to 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 read, and it's well it's 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 well written, and the translator I guess did a good job because he's a, the author's a Swede, and um, but it's just it's just a really rewarding and and not that you know not that heady of a read to to go through the early church fathers in hmm. this way again. Yeah, it's been fun. Cool, cool. What was the author's name again? Well, it's 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 a it's banked. B E N G T. I I don't know how to say that. Hagland or Hegland, H A with an umlau. Mm-hmm. G G L U N D. Okay, cool. I wonder if yeah. CPH still carries that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. All right. Well, we'll Unless have the link. Anyway. We'll have the link yeah. in the show notes. Great. This is uh this is my pick for the week. Ooh. And um I, you probably can't quite read it. I don't know if you can. It this I can is, see that there's writing, but I can't read it. This is called a Rotring 600. <laughs> what pray tell is a Rotring 600? Well, I'm going to tell you. It's a uh it's a pencil. It's a mechanical pencil, 0.5 lead. This is a pencil that I ordered a long time ago. And completely forgot that I had ordered. So I ordered this like, I don't remember, last year or even sometime months ago. And it just came in the mail this week. Um, basically, the Rotring... So wait a minute. You ordered it a year ago? And uh, it not just a year ago, but last, like in December or something. It, oh. I ordered it on um, MassDrop. I don't know if you've ever used MassDrop or not. It's kind of a... Oh. MassDrop is a really cool, um, a cool website because what they do is they... They negotiate um, group pricing for for items, so they will. Ha- so they had a group pricing for this, which was like fifteen dollars cheaper than if you went to JetPens or some website to to uh, get it. And then once they had a certain number of people that that ordered it, then they could then they got it at this price. So so you put in an order on MassDrop and say, I want this. And and they either will have a deadline or they will have once we get up to X number of people that have ordered it, then um, then we can get it at this price. So so I ordered it through MassDrop a long time ago. And um, it, Rotring is a is a German pen and pencil company. It's uh, it's not well known in the United States, but it is very, very well known. This is kind of a uh, kind of an iconic pencil in many ways mechanical pencil you know we kind of know the um the uh the pilot uh the pilot standard pilot pencils mm, at least that's right. what i that's what i think of when i think of of mechanical pencils and this is similar to that it's got kind of a uh uh, a, a checkerboard finish on where your where your hand grips. It feels really good. It's kind of a it's almost like an engineering or drafting pencil. That's kind of sort of what it feels like. It's an octagonal and and it's just really really comfortable to write with, which of course is the point. And uh, it's fun. I, twenty dollars, twenty two dollars, something like that. So you know, well, more I can th- see that on Amazon they're selling it for twelve. Yeah. I wonder if that's this actual pencil, because uh, I've never seen it for under twenty dollars. But Ro- Rotring so, five hundred. Now this is a six hundred. 
I don't, I don't know what a 500 is. I mean, uh, that may be better for all I know, but, um, yeah, Rotring 600.5 millimeter. Um, but, uh, but this is a lot, this is a lot of fun. Anytime I get a new pencil or pen and I, and I have really been working hard, Scott, at not buying pens and pencils because, you know, it's just, uh, a, a somewhat silly, expensive hobby, but, um, you know, we all have silly hobbies and some of them are expensive. So, uh, uh, but I, uh, but I hardly bought any, uh, anything last year. So this is, this is one of the few and it's, uh, and it's fun. I like it. I've, it has renewed my love for mechanical pencils. So there you go. Nice. nice. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm checking it out as we yeah, speak. It's worth, uh, it's worth checking out. That's for sure. Um, do you have anything else for our dear listeners? Pray tell. No, no, I do not. All right. Well, once again, thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Good